I hopefully can hear, but I can't. One more time. Fitz, are you there? Can you hear that? <laughs> little... yeah. There we go. Can you can you hear me? I can now. Yes. Oh, shoo. You just you just had to play the play the right intro. That's what it was. Yeah. That was my cue. <laughs> we should get going because um, we got some stuff to talk about tonight. And as we're waiting for our guest to be here, our first guest, I say we go. What do you think? Yeah. Let's do it. Why not? All right, it is that time. Um, let's kick it off. Welcome to USA Rugby Happy Hour Live. Uh, thanks again so much for joining in. Tonight, we've got none other than USA Men's Rugby Interim Head Coach Scott Lawrence joining us. And then later in the show, Matt and Ryan Yee uh, join us to talk fantasy rugby more specifically, fantasy major league rugby, and we'll, we'll talk player rankings and all that fun stuff. But looking forward to that. Uh, to get updates on future shows and news about USA Rugby, Major League Rugby, and more, Follow Eagles Overseas and Rugby Morning here on Twitter and other social media channels. Also, do us a favor. Share this show with your friends, family, whatever. The more the merrier. We love getting more and more people on here. And, and honestly, we've been so excited about the way the show has been going. We've been adding more and more listeners every week. My name is Bill Baker of Eagles Overseas. And my co-host is John Fitzpatrick of Rugby Morning. What's up, buddy? Hey, Bill. Good evening, everyone. Bill, I'm just impressed that you found some room in the budget for all this enhanced production value. Uh, yeah, you know, our staffing, you know, just like um, USA Rugby had to cut it down from 32 to 9. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, we, we got, you know, our interims, our, our crack interims are doing great. Um, and our research specialists, you know. Um, <laughs> all right. So, listen, I, I was just told by one of our many producers that uh, Scott is in the room. And so I think we need to go to him. Lots to talk okay. about in the next uh, 24 minutes with him, at least. Uh, yeah. Again, this, this guy, obviously, USA men's Eagles fans hope he's the one that can write the ship, right? I mean, people he's, he's been one of the more familiar names of the people that I think a lot of fans would love to see in this role. So he's in that role. Uh, oh, no added pressure, right? <laughs> so <laughs> let's all welcome USA men's rugby interim head coach, Scott Lawrence. Scott, how are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you joining in here um, and and getting on with this in this Twitter world. I know it's not for everybody, but uh, I'm glad it worked out. I'm glad you're here. Um, you know, I, I want to talk about something. Fitz, you're going to laugh about this. Uh, I don't ever miss a chance to talk about club rugby days. Uh, <laughs> I believe you and I may have crossed paths in Atlanta on the field, maybe in the same club. Did you play some club rugby in Atlanta? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I did some time at uh, both the Old White and I did a seventh season with the Renegades here as well. Nice. And, and uh, spent a few years playing for life as well. So I think right. I crossed off every, everything. <laughs> it is, so I played for Old White for many years. I, I left them. Well, I stopped really playing competitively. Well, people say I stopped playing competitively much earlier, but I really stopped playing like around 2006. So we might have crossed paths and played against each other, whatever. But um, you still could have gone out for maybe high country or some of the teams were out there if you had more time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, my knees and back and everything gave out before I could do the full circuit. But maybe yeah. in the future life. Yeah. All right. Let's let's uh, let's kick into it, Scott. Yeah. Let's now talk. that we got that out of the way. I'm yeah. Glad we finally got Bill's, you know, playing experience. out. I, of the I need to get that done first. OK, that way. <laughs> we get to the real stuff. Uh, all right, let, let's get into let's talk some coaching, Scott. Um, obviously, we just talked about your um, interim head coach position, also interim GM of the high performance. You know, how, how are you doing? How are you settling into that role? Yeah, it's been a shotgun start. You know, it's been yeah. um, a lot of fun getting started, but um, I'm just uh, really in, in consumption mode, really learning quite a bit about uh, what's been uh, going on in our pathways, uh, you, you know, 
who we have in, in not only in who we're selecting, but also how we're doing it and, uh, and the coaches involved. And, and, you know, I think it's really important that we make sure that there are really good coaches along the journey for some of the players that are going to become Eagles someday. So a real big focus on getting to know and hiring uh, into positions uh, within that and making sure that we're continuing uh, to develop coaches. Yes, Scott, let's, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about the Eagles coaching staff. How are you doing with, with building your coaching staff? Are there you know, any names that you can uh, share with us? Uh, started with um, just for we, Alex Ross has come over from the sevens and he'll be the head of performance uh, with us. And uh, Jimmy Harrison will stay on uh, as an analyst. Uh, I'm still interviewing a number of, uh, of candidates uh, for, uh, for positions on the staff. I think the most important thing for us as not only a national team and a pathway is to take a step back here for a moment and, think about what it means to be a great eagle what it what are the values and characteristics of a great eagle and then make sure that the coaches are living examples of that and so that's part of the process is um i'm not in a in a big hurry to name that staff right away i want to make sure we get those things right and then we hire people that uh, align and will execute those values in our in our playing space I love that. You're, you're obviously not the first senior level American coach. Uh, do you feel any extra pressure being an, a quote unquote American coach leading the Eagles? Not really. Uh, I feel like uh, the beauty of being an American coach is nobody's really threatened by you uh, in, in any way. And so, you know, I think if I feel any pressure, it's the pressure to serve uh, the rugby community that, uh, really gave me this opportunity to begin with and all the people that kind of helped me and supported me and mentored me along the way. So I certainly feel, I feel pressure from that regard in terms of just um, making sure that I fulfill, you know, what, what I need to, to the community. Hey listeners, we're here with Scott Lawrence. Uh, if you'd like to come up here and ask a question, you can do so by requesting on the bot- bottom left. Uh, coming up, we'll get you up here as soon as you can and um, ask away. You can either ask Scott or Fitzy or I a question. Let's go into um, the program. You know, um, it's still a little more your coaching. You know, if you look at players uh, like Free Jacks, Mitch Wilson, you know, he's credited you with instilling a high standard of play at life. You know, like the professional standard you have there. Uh, does that standard that you demanded from your players at the school carry over to the level of the Eagles? You know, is it somewhat adjusted for international play or is it pretty much the same idea? Well, I think the um, when you think about the you, you know the character of the players that you want to represent our country, I think those things, those standards, certainly carry over and are relevant uh, at at the international level. Mm-hmm. Um, there are different standards, of course, and different expectations as players mature. And you know, I think you find that the better players that you work with, the better coach you become because of the dialogue changes mm. and the detail changes uh, from high level players. So, um, you know, the, the basics around character and, and structure and accountability are still there, but the, um, the actual expectations of the players go up as they get into the senior team. Right. All right. And then we have our first listener up. Uh, good to see you again, Ryan. Hey guys. Good to see you. Uh, coach, first of all, um, I wish you the best of luck. Uh, congratulations. Um, just have a really quick question for you. Um, so <clears throat> I know 
the grassroots program in USA is still kind of at the infant stages. Um, and I know as a coach, um, I know one of your dreams, of course, is to see youth, you know, getting into the game and growing it. Um, what can we do as fans be able to help out grow those grassroots programs to try to get them a little bit more, I guess, well-developed? Because I know a lot of kids are wanting to go pros these days, but I know the percentages to go into the NFL are really low, and most of the time they're not really doing anything else. So how can we get them over to the rugby side? Yeah. No, that's a that's a great question. So, Ryan, is your question about kind of like um, – transfer of athletes that are playing different sports at that level and in grassroots? Um, or? Yeah, yeah, it's really just anything. I mean, even transfer of athletes from, like, let's just say football to rugby or even just getting, like, high school or college kids into it. I know there's a really, like, a plethora of talented athletes, especially on the college side of things. Yeah. And, you know, for those who, like, and I guess it's really also for those who maybe – not go anywhere after maybe let's just say track and field basketball football soccer you name it yeah yeah i think um i think from a if you're talking specifically about about pathways and i think you know that if you, you're trying to promote players into uh, the professional game or senior level teams i, I think it's the looking at the environment we used to call it being an amateur professional and it was something i learned from from Tom Billups a really long time ago uh, and actually having those standards and not relying on finances to make that happen. It's more of a way of life. And if you set that within your club, then regardless of your circumstance, you know, as you had more money, more bells and whistles will come on to it. But um, I, I think that's important. I think overall in the grassroots game, I, I stuck with rugby because I played it for the first time and I loved it. And I fell in love with it and, and played it all the time is anywhere I could, anywhere in the world, you know, picking up glass and dog poop, you know, to play a game <laughs> if I needed to, you know what I mean? Um, so, so make it fun and make it interesting. And, 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 and I think where we've lost a little bit in the last couple of years with the advent of professionalism is just the enjoyment of the game. Not everybody has to be a pro. You know, uh, you, people just, it, it is a fun sport. It, it, it's a camaraderie and it's a, it's a culture around it. That is, that is a wonderful thing to be a part of. And I, I think we, we need to embrace that uh, again a little bit and, and not worry about everybody being a pro or an Eagle. You know, I want to, I want to dig deep into pathways and, and player stuff as well in a little bit, but I want to talk about you a little more as far as, you know, uh, your coaching system, you know, is there uh, like a Scott Lawrence system? You know, if there is, how would you describe it? Is it, do you fit the player to your system or is it fit the system to your players? It depends on where we are uh, mm -hmm. as a, as a team, you know, um, I've done both. I've gone and recruited for a system. So mm -hmm. uh, an example of that is, um, you know, when, when I first started with rugby ATL, I knew the way that I wanted to play and I, and I had a blank roster. And so I profiled that out and built the team to play a certain way. Um, I think with the with the Eagles, you, you or or other teams, you know, if you, you're starting from a position, then you really have to you have to play uh, to the strengths of your team. And 
put your uh, players, you know, your X factor players in the right places to make plays and things like that. So it, it really uh, it depends on, on where you're at and kind of the life cycle of the team, to be honest. You had a great interview with um, Alex Golf from the Golf Rugby Report last month. And I'm going to read back a, a, a quote here. Yeah. Um, you said, people are good at, at certain things. And what I'm good at is running big programs. Can you, do you recall saying that? And can you elaborate on what that means for the men's Eagles program? Yeah, I'm, I'm not proud of that. You know, it's not real great to be to brag like that. But um, I probably just slipped out a little bit. I was it was, it was right after it was announced. So um, I think for me, when I when I think about where we're going, um, and you have to be able to look at the long term and the short term that's what a program is is you have a long-term vision and our vision is to go to a quarterfinal in the 2031 world cup and we're going to start by going and being america's one in the next uh, qualification cycle and so you need to look at uh you need to look at the big picture but then come back to the daily the daily tasks the daily sprints if you will within a project that fits in the program and what are the required outcomes to then align to that overall goal so it's kind of like this um telescoping thing where you, you have to spend intentional time uh looking at your alignment and your direction towards the vision you're trying to get to but then coming back and focusing in and being diligent on your details. You know, let's go back back to that one comment there. I didn't I didn't really think that was a humble brag. I thought that was more of like I think we all recognize that USA yeah. running USA rugby men's eagles is a big thing, right? Because of how big and expansive the country is and all the different pathways that feed up. So I think maybe I don't think uh, it was as bad as you think it was actually. I thought it was a it was a pretty good, interesting quote there. So um, we'll uh, we'll relieve you of some of that. <laughs> no, <thank> you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you know, of course, you know, talking about USA Rugby and of course everything that's happened over the last few years with COVID, certainly an emerging uh, emerging out of bankruptcy. You know, financials are certainly going to be something that comes up. You know, ha- have you thought much about how USA Rugby's financial issues? could affect your job certainly i think um there was a there was a gm we, we don't say his name at the chicago bulls a long time ago that uh, got himself in trouble by saying players don't win championships organizations <laughs> do. um and uh and he uh, he got a lot of stick for that, but he's he's right, right? And from a when you think about the execution of the overall team, it's the it's the operational excellence behind it that has a lot to do with it. Um, if you're living from if you're fighting from fire to fire, then yeah, you you don't get a chance to actually back up and look at things like making your performance or your medical or your athlete data as differentiators in your performance as, as game winners. And, and so, you know, certainly when you look at that, you, you kind of go, yeah, that, that could have an impact. You know, if, if I want to be watching players, but I'm trying to figure out how to get into my email, um, you know, it's uh, it, it takes time away. So, you know, that's kind of been the focus of what, um, one of the focus things that we've been doing in, in my month here so far is just trying to do a few things really, really well. And, uh, and, and those are the basics so that we don't have to think about those things and we can think about the things that impact our performance or give players opportunities. 
Scott, you do you like to see the positive in things? And what I mean by that is, when we look at uh, obviously reluctantly, we we have an extra year to get ready for the twenty seven World Cup. It, do you see that as a positive in a way? I mean, it gives you now more time to maybe allow uh, get the opportunity younger players to get in the mix. You know, Falcons players from last year, the U eighteens, U twenties, whatever playing now. You know, is this actually a good opportunity to really get them some good quality time coming up this next year or so? There's always opportunity in chaos, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and this is certainly uh, one of those one of those cases. I I think the most important thing, and we always say it's the 24 hour rule. You just can't live on a loss more than 24 hours, mm-hmm. and uh, it's kind of like this. Now, it probably lasted about 24 days in this case for <laughs> for a lot of us, but um, but that's that's behind us as a country now and, and, uh, and as a playing country. And we just need to look forward and look at the opportunities. And those things you talked about are certainly there. There's yeah. also an opportunity for American coaches to get opportunities and to grow through this pathway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things in front of us um, that sometimes taking uh, a, something that's a shock actually wakes everyone up and says, wait a minute, my behavior in this whole thing uh, needs to change if we want to get better together. And I think that's, uh, I think that's certainly happening across the board. You know, I, I want to uh, talk a little more about players also, and let's talk a little bit more about pathways. And I'm going to lead off with a question um, a listener sent me earlier today. Um, he's a guy, uh, his name's Sean. He, his son is, his son's name Soma and he has a great Twitter account called Soma likes to play and his uh-huh. kids, his kids in high school, whatever they're in Atlanta area. Um, and he wrote, he said, as, as my son gets older, close to college, you know, he's, he's trying to find opportunities, options, you know, or what, what's available to him. And then even him as, you know, a rugby parent and sometimes a coach, he, he has no idea how to get him, you know, uh, or any of his actual teammates involved in some other of these pathway opportunities. You know, and, and he's saying, looking at that in a way of the 31 World Cup, you're going to see some of these kids on that team. Maybe not his kids, whatever else, but you're going to see that age. So he's wondering, really, what is that plan in the pathways to, to make, you know, like his kid have more opportunities to maybe get in front of you, selectors or whatever else? Well, I think um, if you think about the opportunities that are in front of us now is that not only are the number of varsity programs getting more mature and growing at the collegiate level so they're looking for players Mm -hmm. that you know that's part of the community aspect of this but there are also domestic incentives across the major league rugby teams with all of them have u19 and u18 programs um, and an opportunity to um to to come through there um, there's also talent ID days. So, you know, there are nine of them again this year across the country that are open invite. Don't cost anything uh, to show up and, and have a look. And those will be published here in the next couple of weeks. So um, there's never been a better time to be, to be seen. And if you, if you do recall one thing that, that I did talk about is that it's not a linear path here um, given our, given our geography and our density of play it's a it's a network of connected things it could be an mlr academy it could be a collegiate program it could be uh, a paid academy that um it, you know a number of them that are running across the country or it could be a talent id day um the, the point is is that 
we have to embrace as as the kind of a, a platform, if you will, on that network where we build good relationships with all of those uh, all of those avenues. Uh, so when the player does show up, uh, we know about them, and we have to be clear on what we're looking for, and uh, and we have to be active and intentional about keeping connected. So is it more of a communication issue, possibly? Yeah, I think that's the free one. You know, it doesn't yeah. cost anything, you know, uh, in the beginning. I think that's, I think it's, you're, you're seeing all of these things growing and now it's um, connecting them. Yeah, Scott, as we talk about some of the different avenues, right, of, of pathways, there's certainly been a lot of chatter on, on rugby Twitter over the past few months about, you know, MLR's role in helping the Eagles. I guess, kind of where do you fall in that debate about MLR's role or do they have, should they have a role in, in helping? Uh, that, that's a that's a good question. I don't know, should they, should they have a role? I think they do have a role now. Um, and, uh, and I think that, you, you know, as of late, they've been very good partners. The MLR has been good partners to USA rugby and, and some of the things that are going to um, going to be happening here on competitions and players and things in, in the, in the very short term are really partnerships between major league rugby and USA rugby focused specifically on the development of American players through competitive opportunities and professional play. So, um, you know, I think uh they are a uh, still a young league, even though they've been around um, for six years now, but relatively a young league. And if you look at, if you read some of the tea leaves that are around the league today, you look at some of the academies that are happening out of Utah or San Diego or um, Young Glory or uh, New England, you'll, you can see that the, the future is bright and there is an investment in the in the american game it's just um we like instant satisfaction and these things are going to take a couple of years uh for those players to come through and when you look all right let's sorry let's... fitzy oh, no ahead. i was gonna i just wanted yeah, to touch no, on the ahead. mlr you know the teams their academy programs um you know some are doing better than others i think it's just more of a, a time situation for the teams to get caught up and do it their own way but you know you also brought over neats from rugby atlanta to help out with your you know, the academy programs, you know, talk about him coming in. What, what does he bring for that program? I think he brings, uh, he, he brings trust. You know, I, I trust him, uh, with, um, with, uh, with, with the athletes and, and, you know, that comes from a long time working together. But if you think about, um, the time that, that needs has come through and, you know, and the life collegiate program had a, you know, a really kind of golden age of play during that two, three season, two or three seasons. He was really the engine room behind that coaching staff in terms of player accountability and development of players and focus on uh, the journey for young players. And so I knew that. And, and, you know, he came over to rugby ATL as a as a result of that work to start to work there. And, uh, and I think he's done a great job in the Southern region. And so when we look at where our U twenties are today, um, and where, you know, our young players are today, uh, we, we need that development. We need a development mindset, uh, within our, within our staff. A couple more questions for you, and we'll let you go. Um, I really wish we had like an hour or two with you. This is good stuff. This is great stuff. Let's, you talked about, 
rugby rugby community earlier, um, you know, connection to the team and, you know, college level or whatever else. I feel, you know, the college community and, and really much the club community don't really grasp, um, you know, the level of international rugby or the players itself. I mean, case in point, uh, Will Maggie was training in for with a small college in New Hampshire during COVID. And the guys didn't really understand, you know, this guy's he's, he's international level rugby player, that kind of thing. And, and I believe you were quoted also, maybe in that same article, that you wanted the rugby community to feel connected to the Eagles. You know, how do you how do you go about that? How do you go about accomplishing that? Is it still more communication between it? Is it just more about getting it more, you know, on on TV? You know, what do you think? Well, I think um, I think the first thing is is um, obviously it's always you know it's always communication, and that's probably the answer to any question a coach mm-hmm. asks you in a in a rugby training session. Anyway, um, is the communication aspect, but um, I, I think the big thing for us is the the way we're thinking about it is is first we need to connect to our uh, past eagles and our eagles greats and understand that there's a legacy in the jersey. Sometimes it's getting to see somebody face to face or talking to them, but you know we we need to feel like um, we represent the rugby community and we need to play with the passion and intensity and character that makes uh, the community um, respect and and want to follow the team. You know, and, and I think that comes from appreciating where we've come from and we've got a group of former um, world cup captains that have been a great advisory group for me as I take, I took this on and uh, and we're going to continue to build that um, towards the future. I think right now, if you want to, if we want to be connected to Eagles and where they go, this U 20 contest this year guys is a great opportunity because those are players that uh that we know uh and and have access to and those players are going to be in a you know trying to qualify we haven't we haven't qualified for the junior world trophy since 2016 it's been seven years since we've qualified and we have an opportunity to go to another one and so you know it starts right there that group is going to be 23 and 24 for the next World Cup, and they're going to be hmm. 28 and 29 for the 2031 World Cup um, with an opportunity to have played together for two World Cups. Uh, so, it, you know, that is, a, that is a major focus right now for that connection is, is getting behind these 20s, making them visible, but giving them a fair shot at winning by giving them time together and, you know, the facilities and the coaching staff to do that. Scott, one uh, one final question for you. So feel free to punt on this if you've got to bounce. But uh, one of the <laughs> one of the things that we always talk about, at least, at least you know, the last few weeks and months, is just right. You mentioned it too, like more more game time, right? And you mentioned the U twenties there, but specifically for the men's Eagles, the senior squad. Um, you know, what kind of um, what can you tell us about competitions or any tours that may happen, say in that July, you know, post MLR season or something in November? Are there some are there plans or are there some games that are being scheduled uh, that uh, we can anticipate the Eagles playing? Yeah, yeah, there there are, and, I, and I'll probably get in trouble if I, if I don't allow <laughs> the press release to come out. But um, <laughs> but um, there uh, we'll tour in August, three game tour to Europe in August. Be some great competition against teams that are going to be in the World Cup. With, you know, which I think will be the start of it. Um, post post that. Uh, there is there is plans for for 
a temporary plans, I guess, for a November test series. But I'm really looking at the fall as September to November uh, this time around. Um, we know the players go back for preseason in the MLR in December. And we also know that players need to return to their European clubs for the ones that come over. Um, so, you know, world rugby is really focused on the world cup right now and, uh, they'll drive the competition from there, but we're looking at all options for that September to November timeframe and, and probably got about three things that were, that we got in the works at the moment. Well, we all, we cannot wait to see, uh, the team back in the uniform again this year. Uh, just it's just so much fun to see the, you know them perform and, and hopefully it, it all goes uphill from here. Uh, Scott, we, we really appreciate your time coming on our show and, and talking. I know, like I said, I wish we had an hour with you, but uh, it's all good. We'll get you back on here again soon. Again, we really appreciate your time. All right. Thank you, guys. Really grateful to be on and um, appreciate the, uh, the tough questions. <laughs> all right. Cheers. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Hey fans, thank you for tuning in to this replay of Twitter Spaces USA Rugby Happy Hour Live. That was just the first half of the show. Be sure to check out the second half as well and previous shows here on the USA Rugby Happy Hour Live podcast on your favorite podcast player. Now, go check out the other shows. Yeah.